Well, good morning to you, Anthem Church. I guess the element of surprise of what I'm preaching on today is gone. Um, but um, my name is Justin Casper. Um, I'm a volunteer um, and a member here at uh, Anthem Church. And just so you know that I did say I'm a volunteer. So if you volunteer here, this could be where you end up at one point in your life. Um, well, last week we started a, a sermon series entitled um, to, be in, to Be Grateful. Um, and what better month there is for us to be grateful than, what, the month of November, right? Because it is the one day of the year that we are all, on one day we come together to be thankful. And when that is Thanksgiving. I mean, think about it. What other day do we have that the three most treasured things come together on one day, right? right? Food, family, and football, right? I mean, let's get, let's get real. I mean, I, I wish every day could be Thanksgiving, um, you know, because those are, those are three of my favorite things to do, so I hope it is yours. But in a sense, it, it really it can be. Um, being grateful should not just be a once-of-a-year occurrence, right? I mean, this is something that um, should happen on a, a daily basis. And the fact is, is it can and it should be a way of life. First um, Thessalonians 5.16 says this, says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So as followers of, of Jesus, we are called to be, to have a life of being grateful. Grateful to God for all of the grace that he's showered upon us, the love that he has given to us, and all the blessings that he has really bestowed upon us. Um, and so before we get into the, the actual passage today, um, I think it's appropriate that we need to address maybe the elephant in the room or the condition in our heart that kind of keeps us from being grateful. And I'm going to use an illustration this morning um, to help, you know, uh, let us all understand that condition, and it's, and it's based on a board game, all right? It's a family board game. You've probably played it before, um, but it's one of the most intensive, most competitive, fierce, cutthroat games you have ever played, right? Hungry, hungry hippos. Now tell me, I, by laugh of it, that means you've played it, right? Has everybody played the hungry, hungry hippos game? I mean, it actually says it on the box, right? It is the frantic, marble-munching game. I mean, this is, this is where four people, all right? And I'll set this outside, and we can do it a little bit later. But four people, they face off, square off against each other. You get to pick your favorite color hippo. And what you're doing, you unload the marbles, and what do you do? You are punching that thing hard as a rock, trying to get all the marbles into your little kit. Right? It is all about marble domination. The objective of the game is to do that, is to collect most of the marbles. And what it is, is when you collect all the marbles, guess what? You win. That's, that's, that's what the game is about, is collecting all the marbles. And, and it's appropriate that, you know, it's the hippo that is the, the representative animal in this game. Why is that? Because if you think about it, you know, the hippo is one of the most aggressive animals in the whole entire world. Just in Africa alone, it ranks only second to the mosquito for the, for the one that causes the most human deaths in that country. I mean, this is, it, is, it, is, it weighs between 3,500 to 4,000 pounds. I mean, think about it this way. 
This animal spends four to five hours of day munching on up to 100 to 150 pounds of vegetation daily. Man, that's, a, that's gluttonous. I mean, this, the hippo, I mean, it's aggressive, it's dangerous, and it's gluttonous. And how so true is that hungry, hungry hippo game, it's such a commentary on what our U.S. culture actually teaches us, right? Be aggressive, be gluttonous, and what? Win at all costs, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Our our society, really, that's what defines success. It says we we idolize that one person who has all the marbles. I mean, think about it. Who's, who's, Who's that famous person that you know? Don't you know that you know them for, you know, maybe their large bank accounts? I mean, many of us, we spend large amounts of time just wondering, if we had all the marbles, what would we do? I had a conversation this morning and said, if they won the lottery, this is what I was going to do. Yeah? You know, it's just that, that kind of thing. I mean, it, I mean, if you think about it, who are the first people in line to go and get that new uh, Apple 8? Or is it the Apple X? Or wh- I don't even know what it is. But aren't we the ones that we've got to have that nice house, that brand new car, because we want to be the envy of all of our neighbors? And yeah, that stuff is okay maybe. But God actually provides a much more excellent way to live. And for us, it's radically different than having all of that earthly stuff. It really is. Instead, he wants us to be consumed by a spirit of giving. The other word we could use here is generosity. So so today I've been tasked with the the easy job of talking to you about being grateful in our giving. So just now when I, I said that, and you probably already, when you were watching the video, I was, I was trying to take an eye, and I saw a few of you gentlemen making sure you left your wallet in the car. What's funny is, is that your wife just slid their purse underneath your seat. So fortunate for you guys is that we have already taken up the offering, so I won't be asking for you to throw all your money into the, the, um, into the basket. Um, but today, really, what, we will, what my hope is, my goal is to communicate to you through the passage that we have, is that it's based on God's grace, all right? Because um, when I think that when we focus on money, we actually, we've lost the perspective. That's the wrong perspective to actually talk about money. We're actually supposed to be talking about what God's grace has given us. And for everybody, and I want to clarify this for this message, if you are new, I am great that you, I'm grateful that you are here. Um, but a lot of times this message is, is really supposed to be concentrated for those who have a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, so, you know, hopefully this will, uh, you know, not to say that this message isn't for you um, that don't, but this is, this is those for who call Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, if you would, go ahead. Go, um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Um, we'll be looking at the first nine verses. Um, and for those of you, we, we will have them, this, um, the, the verses up on the screen. If you're like me, I like to have you know, something in my hands. So if you are one of those rare people who picked up the Bible that is laying around you, guess what? That is now yours. This is our free gift to you because um, we always want somebody to have you know, God's word in their hand. So I like, you know, I like having my Bible close by me 
If you're not and you have those digital things, just remember the power can go out. All right, so, so as, we, uh, as we're getting into, you know, talking about, you know, generosity, um, you know, generosity is, is, is directly related to being grateful. I mean, Thanksgiving isn't just a verbal communication to God, right? But it's a being an active participant in displaying our generosity towards someone else. Um, we're going to be, uh, when, we, when we get into these verses, we're going to see how, you know, our gratitude for God, although all what he has done for us and what he has blessed us with, um, it actually should be displayed by our generosity to other people. Um, so this is what 2 Corinthians teaches us. Um, the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this to challenge us to model this as our generous example of, of what the Macedonian believers did. Um, and so as we're getting ready to get into this, it's, it's to also to help spur us on to a life of gratitude uh, in response to God's grace and what he has given to us. So this morning, I want you to know that, you know, we don't have to settle for being hungry, hungry hippos that are never satisfied, that always have to go out and eat more and more every day. Um, in fact, we can enjoy a better life. We can, we can live a life of true thanksgiving today. It's a life of gratitude and of generosity. So if you're not there, we're going to be um, starting to read uh, verse 1. So if you would, read with me. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So Paul is, is, is reporting back to the, the Corinthians about what's going on in the Macedonian uh, churches. Now, there's several churches that are in the, the, the region of Macedonia. I, I, if I would have thought better, I would have gotten a map because it's a, it's a distinct place. But up near the top, uh, you know, in the, um, I, I even forget the region that it's in, uh, the, 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 the modern-day country, it's right beside Turkey. Um, anyways, there's, the, there's the, um, the, the churches that we're talking about are Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica. So you probably have seen those books actually in your Bible. That's the churches that they are talking about. And what's happening is there is a unique display of God's grace taking place here. The grace that we're talking about is the result of receiving God's grace. It refers to the, willing, the willingness participants of God's grace to be also the, the, the dispensers of that grace. So, you know, just like a Pez dispenser, you know, everybody loves to get those little pieces of candy out, but he wants us to be the Pez dispensers, dispensing out all that sweet goodness. It's, it's really just the, our graciousness being towards others and just giving generously when there is a need. Um, it is great, it's, it's God's grace that actually transforms us from being a hungry, hungry hippo into a generous person. Think about it. This is the process, all right? What happens is you're here, you're this hungry hippo looking out, wanting and wanting and wanting, and then God's grace goes in, right? It starts to come in. And then the, God, the gratitude for God's grace, it starts to rise, all right? And then as a result, generous giving starts to take place. And you see... Look at what happens. You have open hands. In other words, you know, God wants us to have open hands. That's, that's actually the posture that he would love us to have is the open hands because we can actually give back as much as we can receive. In act, the, 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 bigger, the bigger thing that goes on here is there's a heart change. 
It's not about, you know, what is in your bank account. It's the overflow of what's in your heart. Generosity flows from who you are, not from what you have. See, here's one thing that you cannot do with generosity. You cannot force it upon anybody. Because if you force generosity upon somebody, guess what you're going to breed? Resentment. And that's, that's you, you, you can't, generosity is, you know, it's just, it, it, it just doesn't happen. It, it has to be of God of some way, shape, or form. And what's happening here is that this is what's happening with the, the Macedonian churches. These churches saw that generosity is a privilege, not an obligation. And I bet the Apostle Paul, to be honest, the, it didn't really matter the actual size of the gift, the monetary gift that he was giving. He was really focused in on the attitude of the givers. Let's look, at, let's look back at the scripture and what it says. How were they giving? Well, 8, 2 through 4, it kind of it tells us. It says, For in the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity of their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. 8.4, it actually refers to, to the re- relief of the saints. See, what's going on here is in Jerusalem, there's something really bad happening. All the Christians that were back in Jerusalem, you know, probably about a thousand miles away, they were falling on some difficult times. Economic times were really bad. They were in, you could say, desperate poverty. So Paul, what's happening here is Paul is implementing a plan of rescue. He's sending help to these Christians that are back in, in, um, in Jerusalem. And so what he does is he commissions all of these churches. He's going around and he's trying to get the brothers and sisters in Christ to, to jump at this effort. And you know what they do? They jump with such eagerness to be a part of this relief effort of the other Christians. 8.4 says that they begged earnestly to help. They actually considered it a really a favor to give to these people. They, that's, that's the kind of generosity that's flowing in their hearts. It's like, I want to give. They viewed it as a privilege to help those in need. And, it, and it's one thing to give, right? We, we all know, we probably all know how to give, right? We, we can give, you know, but it's another thing to want to give. It's a second thing to beg to give. And then after you give, consider it an honor to do so. I mean, that's just, well, how else can we say it? That's, that can only come from God, right? In fact, uh, Jesus, he taught us in Matthew 6, he says that when you give to the needy, and I don't have to go any further, the, con- the, the condition here is that he didn't say if you give, he said when you give. Jesus knew that, you know, his, his, his disciples, there was an expectation for them that they were to give. The Bible also says in other scriptures, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, it's the biggest reason you can't force generosity. You can't fake it because eventually it, that resentment will come out, even if you fake it. Generosity says, God has given me something, so I have something to give so let me do it. So let's pause and let's ask the question of us. Do we give when there is a need? 
All right, here's another question. When we give, do we do it cheerfully? Do we do it with a happy heart? I always like to say to my, my kids, uh, you know, do it the right time, do it all the way, and do it with a happy heart. Um, that doesn't always work out, but, you know. But do we consider it a privilege to give? So here's how we're, we're doing it. We're separating what it is to be a giver versus what it is to be a hippo. And I don't want to mix and match them because they're two separate type of people. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example from my life. Um, I've been a believer in Jesus since I was 13, right? And I, I follow the Lord and whatnot, but it wasn't until I actually, um, post-college, that I got into a church that um, I started getting into and really dedicating myself to the service of the Lord. And one of those things came where I was at a church, and um, I became a member, and then, you know, at the, back there, there was the expectation that you needed to give. And so, you know, I, I finally did it. That first Sunday morning, I was like, you know what, I brought my checkbook. I am going to write out my, my portion, and you know what? But I knew that I did not give cheerfully that morning, all right? I, that's, that's a learned thing, by the way. Um, I, I was sitting there, and I was contemplating beforehand. I'm like, man... My miles, it took five miles to get to church, five miles back. Um, I was at church for, you know, an hour and a half, so that's so much of my time, so let me expense that out and all that kind of... I really did. I, I was that type of guy. I itemized all of my minutes and all that good stuff. And so, you know, I wrote my first check out, and I, I handed it in with, the, you know, like, all right, I think I, I did good. And it was okay, you know, it did it. Couple of, I got paid again, and I, I did it again, and then, you know what? I just, I continued to do it. So number one, I, I took the plunge. I continued to do it. I don't know that I was actually happy about, happy about it in the beginning, but you know what? After a while, the one thing I do remember is I didn't miss the money at all. Uh, and the thing is, is, uh, you know, when I started to give to the money, uh, it helped me see that I became focused on what the needs were in my life rather than the, what the wants were in my life. So I got to separate out the two. And when that happened, it, it, it changed uh, dramatically what it was. And my, my giving actually started to be, all right, it, it was cheerful. It was fine. It was, it was loving. It was, hey, I can do this. So what the Lord started on that day, he has cultivated it over the years. And I can honestly say that God's grace has supplied my every need over these years. Um, and as it, as it relates to this, this question of, is it a privilege to give? Well, I hope that the Lord is, you know, at times, maybe it's, I hope, maybe it's this morning, but I hope that the Lord is actually, you know, pulling at your heartstrings of, why is it that you give? Why is it that we are supposed to do that? Um, the, the Macedonian church, um, if, 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 if nothing else, the convincing evidence is, is that, you know, there were things going on at that church that would really keep them from giving. Um, verse, verse 2 um, of, our, of our scripture today, it, it said that there was a severe test of affliction. And, and it also said that they were in extreme poverty. I mean, think about it. These were Christians that were dealing with uh, persecution beyond what we deal with on a daily basis here. I mean, they were getting slammed for even saying the word Jesus Christ. And not only that, but they were poor. 
They were poorer than poor. They were like dirt poor. They had reached rock bottom in their poverty. I mean, that's the poor of the poor as can be, except Paul says when he talks about them, he says that they were wealthy. How can you be poor but wealthy? And I think this comes to a, a, a really profound truth. And, you know, and I'll say this twice, but true wealth isn't based on what we have, but rather how much we give. True wealth is not based on what we have, but rather on what we give. Please know that this is not about dollars and cents. This is about sacrifice. 8.3 says that they went beyond their means. They were poor and impoverished, but they were willing, you know, not, they willingly gave not from their surplus, but they gave out of their extremely limited sur, um, uh, resources. They gave sacrificially. And so this reminds me of the story, um, like when I was reading this, I saw, oh, this, there's another story that actually relates to this. And that was the story of Mark 12, 41 through 44. And that's where Jesus was in the temple. And he, some of you might remember this. He's just sitting down and he's, he's watching people put money into the little box. They had little boxes right outside and people would come by and put money into the, into the box. And the text says that, that many people put in large sums of money. And then a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of these others contributing into the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had, live on. And the one thing that I can, I, I really take from that is that, you know, God has fuzzy math. God does math a lot differently than we do. I mean, what would compel a, a poor widow or these Macedonian Christians to actually give cheerfully and sacrificially when they didn't really have anything at all? And the fact is, is that they had experienced God's love. They were transformed from these hungry, hungry hippos of wanting more and more and more, and they became, and they became these generous givers. They generally were grateful for having received God's grace, and their gratitude was displayed through their generosity of what they did for these people. I mean, they showed their love of, of God by showing it to others. So when we give, I don't know if you understand this, but when we give, God sees us more like him than he does at any other time. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. So when we give, God sees us like him more than any other time. So how do we come, become these generous givers, these gracious givers like the Macedonian people were? Well, the answer is found in Scripture. Um, 8 5 says it right, says, it says that they gave themselves to the Lord. The crowning part of the Macedonian uh, generosity was that they completely surrendered themselves to the Lord. We become loving givers by giving ourselves first to the one who gave himself for us. I mean, let's think about this God is a benevolent king, he is a, a wonderful father. 
He's kind. He's generous. He cares for us. I mean, I don't, as I look around, and I might be wrong, but doesn't he take care of our every need on a daily basis? I mean, why wouldn't we want to offer ourselves back to him? I mean, giving is ultimately about submitting our lives to Christ's lordship, making him the lord of our lives. Charity seems to stem foremost from our devotion from, to Jesus. Giving is a, a result of a proper perspective, as you may will. We don't really own anything. I mean, think about it. We don't own anything. We are, we are just God's stewards. He owns all the possession. He's, these are all his marbles that we have been granted. And you know what? All he asks is he says, hey, I'm going to give you a few mar- uh, marbles to manage. That's what he does. Some of those are, are used for our needs. Um, but others are to be given back to him. Think about it, and I'll try to illustrate this point um, by using uh, uh, a, Briggs, a Brinks truck driver, all right? You guys know where that is. There it is, Brinks truck. It's an armored vehicle, right? And what do we do? What does it go around doing? It goes around to different shops, and they pick up the valuables and the monies that the shop owners does, and they, and they take it, and they transport it from one place to another. Well, what if you were that Brinks truck driver, right? You, you have a job with them. You know, they, they employ you. You know you're going to be given a, a paycheck at the end of the week. But on one of these deliveries, you go and you're like, hmm, that's, that's more than usual. They won't miss that. And you just take some out of your pocket and put it in yourself. What would you call that? Yeah, yeah everybody, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> stealing. That's stealing. Yes, that's stealing. Well, I mean, when we submit ourselves to the Lord's service, you know, it's the same thing. As a Christian, uh, as followers, we have been given a daily provision. And the rest is to be delivered back to him. We are stewards of the resources that God has entrusted us with. And we're to give those who are in need. We're, I mean, we just need to have that proper perspective to give back to those who are in need. I mean, if you think about it, being a hungry, hungry hippo, it's exhausting, it really can be. You're always wanting more, and you're always wanting more, and you seem to never get ahead, right? You're always at that same place. Uh, I've heard it, you know, Rick says, you know, said it before, that everything that, on the, that is on this earth, it will, uh, there's a whole litany of lists, but, you know, it will, it will break, it will rust, it will, you know, it will break, it will rust. It's just, it's going to do those things, right? <laughs> Nothing survives here on earth, <laughs> I didn't do any justice. Sorry, Rick. <laughs> but just like the game, it's a condition of our heart. We all want more, but those things can't fulfill us. God invites us to have a better life. He wants us to be generous givers, but before we can ever have that better life, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to give ourselves over to his rulership. And then we can embrace the truth that when he blesses us, he blesses us so that we can bless others. To finish this passage up, um, Paul 
Paul was specifically addressing the Corinthians in, in 8, 6, and 7. He says, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had stated, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in your faith, in your speech, and in your knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. The Corinthians initially, they said that they were going to give to the people in Jerusalem. And their giving began to lag. In fact, I think we all know it. We're, we're forgetful people. We like sometimes to promise things, and then sometimes we just forget. And so, so Paul, what he did is he sends this, his main man, he sends Titus, he, he sends them there to encourage them. Um, I, I say encourage them, but I, I think it's more of Christian accountability. So he sends, he sends Titus there, um, and he shares this example of the Macedonians because he wants them to excel in their giving. And to excel means to, is in overflow. He wants the grace of God to overflow and come out of them towards others. So we have to ask a question, why? Why should I excel in my giving? And the good thing is, is that Scripture answers that question for us. And Paul reminds us of it in 8 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now, this is the crux of the whole reason of why we are to give, right? Think about it. Jesus Christ is God. Before time, space, and matter... Before anything else existed, he did. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He is before all things, and all things are, belong to him. And the fact is, is he lived in heaven, in that warmth and the glory of heaven. He didn't have to do it, but he did in this act of unfathomable love. He set all of that aside and decided to step down into this world. He who was rich became poor. And through the miracle of a virgin birth, what did he do? He took on flesh. The creator of the world took on flesh. The eternal God took on flesh. He who was rich became poor. Even so, all right, he came to the earth, all right? You know what he could have done? He could have come in by a royal family. He could have been the king and set himself up on the throne. He could have had a nice entry into this world and lived lavishly, lavishly and, you know, just spread, you know, what the Lord had entitled him to do, but he didn't. What did he do? He came into a family of a carpenter. Carpenters aren't, you know, made of money. They, they, they earn a, a living just like anybody else. And not only that, he was born in a stable. He lived in poverty, not having a place to lay his head. He who was rich became poor. And then you guys know the life. 
he went to the cross and he took the poverty of our sins and he put them upon his shoulders. He lovingly sacrificed himself and died our death. It was on that cross is where he exchanged he exchanged all of our sin for the riches that he has. He stepped down into the world that is ruled by death and destruction. And he accepted this life, even so to death, so that he could lift us up from the despair of this poverty-stricken world. And we get to enjoy his heavenly riches one day. Just by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has granted you forgiveness of all sins. He has ex exchanged the status. Think about this. He's exchanged the status of being enemies of God to becoming children of God. And when we become children of God, we become heirs of all of his glory, all of his riches. Well, maybe not his glory, but if, at least his riches. He became poor that we might become eternally rich. It's hard to get over these earthly riches. Sometimes it, 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 clear, it, it, it distorts a path of, of what we truly see when we look at Jesus. But that's the gospel of grace. That's why we embrace this life of generosity for what Jesus has done. God has tr transformed us from being hungry, hungry hippos into being a generous people. Our mission here at Anthem Church, um, for those of you, those of you who remember, you probably know it. For those of you not, I'm going to remind you of what it is. It is to fill Andrew in the world to be love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus Christ. And what does a love-filled follower look like? Well, it's a life of gratitude. It's a life of generosity towards others. I said it before, our generosity is directly related to our gratitude. We give lovingly because of, out of the gratitude for Jesus' love. And uh, Brent spoke about it earlier, and we have, we have that opportunity, you know, um, we've been talking about it for the week leading up, and he talked about it today, but, you know, the Anthem mission offering. Um, if you, are a, if you are a believer and you call Anthem Church your home, um, think of this as your early Christmas gift back to Jesus, all right? Because um, every penny that we spend, it goes directly to helping um, those people in need. We utilize that gift in town. We also do it um, for, you know, outreach events. But we support two other churches in the state. Um, we also, you know, we support, and I've been to Haiti before. We support a ministry called Sports Disciple down there. Um, and the sole focus is, is, yeah, you know, we try to help out in, you know, some physical needs, but more so we want to help out in the greatest need of all. And that is for them coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That everlasting spiritual need is the biggest and foremost reason of why we do give. So would you prayerfully consider giving towards that mission offering? And if you do, there's two things I need to just say to you, all right? One, for those of you who are anthem-ers, this is not to replace, you know, the money that you already give to the church. This is, you know, a above and beyond thing, all right? 
That's the first thing. And the other thing is, is we want you to designate your gift to make sure that it goes in the right places because we are, my wife is the, she's the, you know, treasurer. She wants everything to go in the right place at the right time and all that kind of good stuff. So she likes having that. So if you're old school like me and you like giving a check, you know, make sure you put in there um, Anthem Mission Offering. If, if you give online, that's the best thing to do, you know, because everybody does that, right? They all have a credit card swipe, you know, done everything. And if you give cash, just bring it up here to me. I'll take it, and I'll make sure it gets to the right place. Just kidding. No, but give you a, you know, I was on a fishing trip um, last week and came back a, a day early, um, and I came back, and I, I wanted to treat my family to a nice, a nice dinner. Um, so instead of going out, because with three kids under four, that's just not happening in a, in a good way. So I brought the nice dining experience of Wendy's to our kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> that's for Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers, baby. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's what I did. I grabbed some Junior chicken, Bacon Cheeseburgers and... You know, that was for my wife and the kids. And then, you know, for me, I have to have that Asiago chicken sandwich, right? I mean, that's, that's good, the dear old daddy. So it didn't take long. When we sat down and we started eating, my son didn't like his cheeseburger. So he came and he saw what daddy was eating. It was good. So what does his dear old daddy do? He lets him eat from his sandwich. And... He's eating away, and I'm just like, I guess I'm going to have to settle for a junior bacon cheeseburger, even though it's not bad, you know. I, you know and then all of a sudden, he just, he just stops, and he says, hey, Dad, do you want a bite? Heck, yeah, I want a bite. And not only that, is that he, you know, he, 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 did, the, he did the work for me. He, he trimmed out all the edges. So there is, in the meatiest part of the chicken sandwich with three layers of bacon and that sauce just oozing out. And he says, here, have a bite. Isn't that a picture of what our Heavenly Father does for us? He provides the whole entire meal. He just wants us to turn around and give a little back. He wants us to give that juicy bite right back to him. So we have a choice today. We can, we can continue and, and be hungry, hungry hippos, which will never really truly be satisfied, or we can be wealthy in our generosity. We can either be people of greed or people of grace. We can either be grateful or we can be ungrateful. Um, I've heard it, and I, well, it's in Scripture, and that's why I know I've heard it. But um, in, in Matthew, it, it actually says, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So my question this morning is, is Jesus the treasure you long for? So if you would, bow your heads, um, and I'm, I'm going to continue a little bit, and the, the praise team is going to come up and lead us in a in the last song of worship, but let me ask, these, let me ask some, some questions. Uh, what decision do you need to make today? As we're thinking here and just thinking and meditating, maybe you're here and you realize that, um, hey man, I'm spiritually lost. I've, I live in poverty. I haven't really experienced God's grace. Well, 
I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing to do, but it's one of the easiest things you can do. It's just to con- confess, to repent, and it's to give your lives to Jesus. And if you do so, I, I hope that you would, would find an, an anthem volunteer and tell him what you've done. And, or maybe you're just a, a follower of Jesus and um, you're like the Corinthians. We need a little reminder of this life that we were called for, a life of being a grateful giver. Will you make giving thanks to God um, by giving to others? Will you take advantage of the anthem uh, mission offering? The Macedonians considered it an honor and a privilege to give those in need. Will, will you steward your finances that God has blessed you with so that you can be a blessing to others? And I don't want you to give out of compulsion. I want you to give out of the gratitude for all that Jesus has done. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. As a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you for the, the time. I know it's not always easy to just talk about you know, uh, giving and, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, money, people just close, and they, they, they close up, um, you know, a lot of things. They close up the wallets, they close up, you know, just even hearing. But Lord, you've called us for more than just money. You've called us to be a generous people in our acts of kindness, whether it could be monetarily or it could just be other things. But Lord, you call us to be generous from the heart. So, Lord, I just pray um, you want our hearts. And when we give you our hearts, you know, you transform them into being uh, a person of generosity, of just giving out of the overflow of the grace that you give. So, Lord, I just ask that you allow us to be like that, to be graceful and grateful in our giving. We give you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.